I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we are now beginning the second quarter of 2021. This time we're looking at a quarterly called The Promise. That's right. God's everlasting covenant. The whole entire quarter, a fourth of this year, is going to be devoted to the topic of the covenant. I have to be careful not to sound too excited after Isaiah, as I've mentioned some of my lamentations over the Isaiah, not the book of Isaiah, but the fact that we were trying to cram 66 chapters into 13 weeks. Yes. And uh, and not easy chapters. Um, the, the bright side is I was pushed to dig deeper in Isaiah than I've done before. Oh, there's some good light that came out of there for sure. But, but this, this time... I'm excited with this lesson, um, just the topic itself on the covenants. And I think the layout of the lesson, I I could be wrong here. Now, there are contributors to every lesson, but the, the, the contributor of this lesson, primary contributor, is the late Gerhard Hazel. Yes. Which means he wasn't alive to write the lesson itself, right. which means the way I read it, and having read a lot of Clifford Goldstein, the editor of the Adult Sabbath School <laughs> Bible Study Guide, um, there's a lot of Goldstein in here, and he mm-hmm. and, I, and I say that in a positive way. He's a good writer, and the structure and a logical of the lessons, thinker, exactly. yes, uh, the progression of the lessons. Every lesson in this quarter starts with uh, this week at a glance. So it gives you this mm-hmm. overview and some good questions to ask. And so anyway, I'm excited. So the topic is good. The layout is good. The yep. format is good. And uh, of course, it's Not a great... Not that the last one wasn't good. Exactly. I... But it's a, it's a good topic to this covenant. So yes. we're excited about that. So before we dive into our talking points and breaking down the lesson, let's dedicate ourselves to the Lord in prayer and then we'll dive in. Yes. Bear our heads. Bear our heads. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a new quarter of this year. Thank you for the opportunity to study deeper in your word. And this time, not just a single book of the Bible, but this topic of the covenant. Help us to understand our relationship with you, our covenantal relationship with you, and one you have with us. Help us to know our part in your plan and help us to be drawn closer to Jesus and by your grace become more like him. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And real quick before we dive in, something I feel like I ought to do. Every quarter, we highlight a different area of the world for mission. Yes. And this quarter is the Inter-American Division. And I say that because we take up a special, or we're supposed to take up a special offering in Sabbath School for missionary work. Yes. And it is the only offering that is dedicated to that. So I want to encourage Mm -hmm. our Sabbath School teachers, if you're not taking up that offering, make sure Mm -hmm. you do. And don't just pass around an envelope that nobody knows what it is. Point to the map. Play a mission spotlight. Do something to talk up. Because I agree, Pastor Howard, we're talking about some powerful biblical truths. But if all we do is receive it for ourselves, that's only half the thing. God wants us to be messengers. So we got to have a mission. Amen. Anyway, let's go, first of all, uh, 10,000 feet above, just point by point, what are our three talking points for this week? Okay, I'm going to go 30,000 feet. Okay, get even higher. The, the quarterly is about the oh, covenants. that's right, quarterly, yeah. And the covenants, th- th- we're just basically looking at God's pledge to redeem man. Okay. From that, from that 30,000 view. And so this whole quarter is kind of walking through that. You would naturally expect then that if... If, if our study on the covenants is how God's going to redeem man, how do we even get into the place for the need of the covenants? Mm-hmm. And so that's the first lesson. What happened? Okay. And the summary of the lesson on the Sabbath afternoon asks, um, or in the, in the uh, yeah, the last paragraph on Sabbath afternoon says, this week's lesson looks at the creation, at what God had first made, 
And then at what happened to that perfect creation? Finally, it touches on the quarter's theme, what God is doing to make things right again. So that's a great okay. little summary of it. So basically, this whole first lesson is an introduction to the redemption covenant process. That's right. Okay. Okay, so our talking points. Number one, God created everything beautiful. And I'm borrowing from language of Ecclesiastes 3 there, but mm -hmm. he did. I could have said God created everything perfect. We say that Bad sometimes. But it was indeed beautiful, and we're going to talk about what that means. Talking point number two... God created man with the power to disobey. Hmm. Now, we could word that different ways. Sometimes you just hear about choice, but specifically disobedience, and we'll get into There's why. There's something yeah. important about that. And then, finally, uh, Satan attempted to mar the work of God, hmm. which, because uh, I, I don't want to say he did mar the work of God, because it has a sense of finality. And fortunately, his work was not final. And Amen. we're going to see that as well. That's what our study is about. So, Okay, well, let's get into this first one. It's very positive sounding. God yes. created everything beautiful. This should not be a new thought to our, our viewers that mm -hmm. when you read the creation account in the book of Genesis, and that in the, one of our main chapters is gen basically Genesis 1 through 3, but one of our main yeah. chapters is Genesis chapter 1, the creation account. And in the creation account, Throughout the creation account, God says it was good, it was good, it was good, and at the end of the creation account, it mm -hmm. was very good. Yes. So we have this testimony of Scripture that when God made everything, there wasn't a problem with it. It was all very good. It was beautiful, and um, and just as God intended mm -hmm. it to be. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things a lesson does is it makes the point, and, and other lessons I recall in recent quarterlies have made this same point, Anybody who studies creation in the Bible realizes that God doesn't do a lot to prove he's the creator. He just says he is. And so the lesson makes that point that God does not attempt to prove he's a creator. He's a creator of heavens and earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't go into an explanation there. Mm -hmm. And the lesson makes that point. In fact, it asks the question at the end of Sunday. It says, nevertheless, even if this is in that color block at the bottom of the page, Nevertheless, even if God has asked us to believe in him as creator, he does not ask us to believe without giving us some good reasons to believe. Mm. And then it says, write down, what are some of those reasons? Hmm. And, yeah, we could go what are down. some of the evidences God gives? And there are ample evidences. This, this is an exhaustive thing. I mean, we've yeah, heard... Yeah, we could take the rest that's of what I'm saying, but you, you could look up YouTube and go... I mean, there's people who lecture about this and talk about all the uniquenesses of the evidence we see around us, scientific evidence that demonstrates right. that it's not by chance or happenstance that right. everything just happens. I mean, so, for example, yeah. I have some listed out like cosmological constants. Right. The idea that there's the, the speed of light and the force of gravity and the electromagnetic force and the small nuclear force, all these different things that hold not just our bodies together, but or all bodies, the, the whole universe. Oh, yeah, light itself and, and the, the molecules throughout the scattered, you know, cosmos. Everything else together by... Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. You, the planets would blow each other apart, asteroids coming in. I right. mean, you'd have utter... Total the fact chaos. that things so work a, together on those... And that we talked about this, like, there, there are constant rules of nature in the universe. Like, we pride ourselves on science. We observe mm -hmm. this and we observe that, but the only reason we can observe it <laughs> is because there's a constant to observe. Yeah. One of the problems we get into when it comes to creation and the flood and the flood story narrative and all mm -hmm. that is that... Um, scientists want to assume that the rate of erosion was always the same, you know, and right. things like that. But constants are what we help us to measure things by. Mm -hmm. And those constants 
in the universe is just one evidence there was a creator. Sure, and then you get to life specifically here on this right. planet, and there's the anth anthropic principle, the idea yeah, that like... I'm anthropos man and... Exactly, the humanity requires certain minimal uh, uh, circumstances to exist at all, and I'm thinking right. like the distance of the sun to the earth, right. and the heat of the sun, and, and the moon, the distance so that gravity pulls just enough on the waves so it doesn't float, you know, oh, and you can have, um, you know, the, the the band of the atmosphere, how thick it is, and the density, right. and the the power of gravity. Like if, if it's any harder, we would smash down. If it's any right. lower, we'd fly yeah. apart. Our bodies would, you know, what was the one I saw? If the amount of oxygen in the air that we would breathe, either things we would blow up, you know, or it burn up. I mean, every down to every atom fractions uh, yeah, of, of, of a being. measurement to yeah. to you know on a razor's edge all of these things are balanced and out. it just happens to be that and... everything exists for the exact person that we are yeah mm -hmm. what, what a coincidence and the funny yeah. thing is we were talking about how a popular theory both in science which is reality and in science fiction which mm -hmm. is supposed markedly fiction, not reality yeah. is is the idea the concept of a multiverse where there are not just one universe but multiple you know parallel universes sure. and and then you know science fiction goes in the direction of and even science which is really science fiction but some scientists <laughs> conjecture to there might be entire universes that have this but the reality is from the observable universe mm -hmm. there's only one place in the whole observable universe that we can observe mm -hmm. that would support human life and it's here on planet Earth. Exactly right. So the anthropic principle is an example. The intricacy of design. We can see design in so many things on the Earth. If you look and you've got a, a, a painting over and your viewers can't see it, but you get a painting mm -hmm. here in your office, you look at a painting and there's trees and there's a, a, a sky reflected on a, a lake. Um, I look at that painting and I think, wow, that artist did a wonderful job. I would never in a, in a million years look at that and say, wow, somebody spilled that, that canvas. That's an incredible accident there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so you, when you see the intricacy of design, yeah. you know there's a designer. Um, that's just another evidence. Well, and when I think about it too, I like to present the idea that God, because we talk about the cosmological constants and the anthropic principle and yes. all these things, but then that's just what it's needed to keep us alive. That's right. But God gave us more than just a life. He gave us life abundantly, right? That's right? And so we have the richness of, you know, why are you, when you look at that painting, why is there a reverberating chord in you? Why are you moved? Why do I look at a sunset or a sunrise? Why does the smell of the beach or the uh, walk through the pines do anything to my senses? Instead of like just, oh, there's danger. Right. And I react evolutionarily and I have to be I on guard. I food from a strictly survival standpoint, it's yeah. almost dangerous to have more flavors of food. I mean, yeah. in fact, if food wasn't so flavorable, nobody would be tempted to overeat. That's right. have so, yeah, that makes no sense from a survival and an evolving process. Right. If mentality. I was truly evolving, if as soon as you found one thing that worked, you'd stick with it for efficiency's sake. But now we've got ten thousand different or things. Or if we you can found something you were tempted to overeat, mm. you would just discard that because we're just, trying to survive. But no, 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 we're here to thrive, and it's wonderful. So it all speaks to us. First of all, of a of a beautiful creation, a perfect creation with intent, which mm -hmm. leads us to the crowning act of creation, and that is mankind. Amen. You notice that it was the creation was good, good, but once the Bible records the creation of man, mm -hmm. it was called very good. Well, interestingly, I'll, I'll interject this: the mm -hmm. only thing in the creation account that's called not good is when man was alone, when the creation of mankind was incomplete. Yes. And so man was created, and then. 
after the finished work of day six, the Glordback says everything it made was very good. That's right. And so the crowning act is seen in humanity. Yes, in humanity. And uh, I, I, you'll catch me saying man. It's just old school, and I mean humanity. Mankind, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, we, but even the lesson had to put our memory verse and take it from the New Revised Standard. So with your temp let us make humankind in our image. It just doesn't go right. <laughs> yeah, come so on. In now. our outline, I use the New King James. Okay. This is let us make man. Right, which That's means, mean. of course, humanity, <laughs> mankind. Um, but man was a crowning act. Now, a couple statements here. Why don't you read that first statement from Review and sure. Herald, June 18. Uh, yeah, 1895 says, Man was the crowning act of the creation of God, made in the image of God and designed to be a counterpart of God. Incredible yeah. statement to think That's about. That's a heavy responsibility placed on man. A counterpart of God. We're going to develop that a little bit more. The lesson does a little bit more. But uh, it's highlighting on that passage in Genesis where it says that let us make man in our image according mm -hmm. to our likeness. Mm -hmm. Another paragraph similarly in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 45, says man was to bear God's image both in outward resemblance and in character. So there we mm -hmm. have a little insight as to what that was. Christ alone is the express image of the Father, but man was formed in the likeness of God. Mm -hmm. So again, the crowning act of God's creation. In fact, what we see in the creation account is that everything that God made beautiful, he made it. He was making up the room for his new guest, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you will. Yes. That when Adam and Eve were created, he wanted this to be this complete, beautiful place. And that's that was what we see in the beginning. And I noticed, too, that the lesson here also points out at the end of Monday's part how the author or the contributor, editor, whoever, goes out of the way to make sure that we don't misunderstand the creation of man, like you said, and the correcting of mankind yes. or humanity, that man as a male is somehow superior being than a woman, yes. right? That woman was not an afterthought, it wasn't a secondary or a later add-on, that it was part of the, that both man and woman in their complementary uh, roles reflect that image of God. That's right. That they're designed as counterparts together to be a, a witness to his power and glory. Well, in fact, the lesson even at the very bottom of Monday's uh, lesson, it quotes from Patriarchs and Prophets, where Ellen White says, Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to, mm -hmm. stand, side, uh, uh, to stand by his side as an equal, mm -hmm. to be loved and protected by him. Mm -hmm. So the lesson emphasizes, rightly so, that equality between men and women. True. But the reason it even needs to is because there are elements in the creation account that may confuse us. The fact mm -hmm. that Adam was made first. Yes. Adam was made out of the ground, but Eve was made out of Adam. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam named his wife. She didn't name him. Yeah, he named the animals. And then yes. after that, when no suitable helper was found, God made him, her, brought him to the man, and then he named right. her. Yeah. And so you, you can look at these things and say, well, he must have been, and some people maybe have come away with that and said, well, he must be superior and not equal. Mm -hmm. And that's not true, but then what do those things tell us? Well, that there clearly is a male and a female, that they are equal yet not interchangeable. That's that there right. are distinct roles between men and women that were established at created cre creation. Notice we're, this yes. is all creation. This is Genesis right. 1 and 2, not Prior to 3 sin. and onward. Right. So right. this is the pre-fall Eden, and there's still responsibility, even in that statement there, Yes. Uh, to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him. So he had a role of protection. The male was made to be the protector right. And so he was created first. He had responsibilities. He had role distinctions. And she had unique roles that were, were unique to her own creation. Well, in fact, he named her woman, I'm sorry, Eve. And the name Eve actually means life giver. Yeah, the mother of all creation, yes. And so 
that that was speaking to a role that she yes. had that he didn't have. Exactly. In fact, talking about families now, because a lot of times we try to get back to that Eden ideal. What would that really look like? There's this fascinating statement that uh, here in this uh, statement from Mrs. White, she writes, the Sabbath and the family were alike instituted in Eden and in God's purpose, they are indissolubly linked together. On this day, speaking of how we keep Sabbath today, on this day, more than any other, it is possible for us to live the life of Eden. Right? Mm. So this is the pre-fall God's yes, ideal, right? Yes. It was God's plan for the members of the family to be associated in work and study, in worship and recreation, comma, the father as priest of his household, and both father and mother as teachers and companions of their children. So the idea being that even in Eden, God had a plan that there'd be both men and That's women right. working in complementary roles to each other, but still having distinct functions as they reflected the image of God. That's right. Anyway. All part of God's perfect plan. And then the last thing, we're still on point number one. God created everything <laughs> beautiful. These yes. are all aspects of it. But one that leads into our next point, and that is that God created human beings as intelligent beings. Mm. And if you look at the quarterly on Tuesday, first paragraph, if the, the last sentence makes this point, God's first words to man and woman deal specifically with their interaction and relationship with the physical world. Think about it. He said, you're going to subdue the earth. You're going you're gonna to multiply. Mm -hmm. You're going to subdue the earth. Um, they, had, they were given a level of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And responsibility is one of those things that as adults, oh, there's another job I have to do. <laughs> the, remember when you were a teenager? I do remember that. And you got that, that first responsibility, <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah, who's you know, big now? Mom yeah. or dad or mom and dad, they both have confidence and it instills like they trust you with yes. that level of responsibility. And so you see here that God created humanity with a level of ability and mm -hmm. intelligence, not just to carry responsibility, but the implication of the lesson goes in to bring this out that God wanted to relate to them and mm -hmm. have an interactive relationship with them and, and, and give them the level of intelligence to be able to do that. And if you read through the beginning uh, chapters of Patriarchs and Prophets, uh, Sister White talks about how they were, God himself taught them the secrets of science, right? And they had, you mm -hmm. know, talked about plants and light and all the different elements of the earth. And, you know, I, when I was younger, I used to think, man, if this, if the world <laughs> For instance, when cellular technology came out and cell phones became a thing, I used to think like, well, if the world were to go on 10,000 years from now, they would dig back into our day and think we were not advanced because we didn't have mm -hmm. telephone poles, right? Because I would think like, but you look back at Adam and Eve's time, these historical, you don't find these contraptions right. that we think are so essential, but we don't have any idea what it's like to have a mind directly from the hand of yes. God and to be able to comprehend, you know, and so we are just not on par with that. And God formed him, taught him about the world, and put him in charge. And said, we're you can increasingly being led to ask ourselves to ask, are these things really making exactly. any, are they in evidence we're smarter? Exactly. I don't know if the smartphone makes dumb people. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we go That's on. That's another lesson. Exactly. So point number two, God created man with the power to disobey. Now, mm. I chose that wording because we could say the power of choice. But there was a risk in giving man the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And I love the lesson highlight. You know, we could ask the question, why did God put a tree mm. in the middle of the garden to tempt Adam and Eve? But the lesson makes this great observation on Wednesday. It says in the first paragraph, uh, speaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this test provided Adam and Eve with an opportunity to exercise their free will. Now think mm. about it for a minute. If that tree wasn't placed there and we don't have it in the history, 
Yeah, okay, God says you can choose what you want, but by the way, everything around here is what I want, and yeah. so, yeah. you know, how is there a choice? There's no other option. Yeah. So there's an option for them to choose different, and, mm -hmm. and the lesson goes on to say, um, this test, the tree, provided an opportunity to exercise their free will. It also challenged them to respond positively or negatively. They had to choose. Mm -hmm. They couldn't just float along. And choice, making choices, is a part of growth, right? They had to choose, uh, respond to, they had to respond positively or negatively to the relationship with their Creator. It also shows that God had made them free moral beings. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, there's a risk in making them moral beings, but also it was necessary to make humans free moral beings in order to have the kind of relationship God wanted to have. He didn't mm -hmm. want them to be just programmed robots, but in order for them to have, be able to have a loving, interactive relationship, he had to risk giving them free And choice. how much more so in the context of when they were created amidst the great controversy that was already going on in heaven, that he wasn't creating a race. He wouldn't have done it even if the controversy weren't raging. But how much more that test of loyalty was essential when already God's kingdom, his universe, was being torn apart by these allegations of Satan. Anyway, we can get into that yes. in the great controversy thing. But their active engagement of the power of choice was essential in the creation process. That's right. Mm -hmm. And, and... It is essential in the redemption process, mm, as we so will find true. as we continue on. The lesson makes this point on Monday on the uh, first paragraph, although the first half of the page is questions, so the first paragraph starts down at the second half of the page. But the last sentence says, It is the uniqueness of the human mind that makes possible a nourishing relationship with God, something the rest of God's earthly creation seems unable to do. Just speaking Powerful. again to that, mm. the power of choice, but the power to disobey. Mm -hmm. It was necessary to give man that freedom. And that leads us to our third talking point, and that is that Satan attempted to mar the work of God. We see this beautiful work of God, and part of that work of God was that God wanted to make a, a create a a race that could interact with him and that he mm -hmm. could have that relationship with. And Satan did not like that. No, he did not. And what's interesting now, there is a comment in the teacher's uh, quarterly in the notes. They have a reference to a statement from early writings that I've included in our notes here. It's not in the lesson itself, but the teacher's notes and in our outline. Uh, Ellen White says on page 145 of early writings, when God said to his son, let us make man in our image, Satan was jealous of Jesus. Mm. And there's so much to that. It's so fascinating. Like you go to Revelation, it says there, there was war in heaven between Michael, Michael and, and his, his angels. angels. And it doesn't say God the Father. Mm -hmm. Like there was a controversy, but that controversy was between Satan and between and Jesus. Jesus himself. Yeah. And it says he was jealous of Jesus. He wished, Satan wished to be consulted concerning the formation of man. And because he was not... He was filled with envy, jealousy, and hatred. Mm. And, you know, and, I, and of course, like, let's see, why wasn't he consulted? Because he doesn't have creative power, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And I don't know that he fully understood Christ's creative power at the time, but there mm. was a reason Christ was there in the creation. Right. But it's interesting that he was jealous over the creation of man, and so you see that that, not only was he, he was jealous of Jesus, mm -hmm. but he saw that the way to get at Jesus was to try to mar the creation, that crowning act of creation that Jesus was making, mm -hmm. the human race. That's great. You know, I keep thinking of uh, the, the temptation in the wilderness where the last thing mm -hmm. Jesus heard is, "You, this is my beloved son. Then he goes out to be tempted and 
What's the temptation? Satan comes to him as an angel of light yes. and says, if you are the son of God, like there's a, like there's two options, either me and my beauty or you in your degraded state here, you know, right. which of the two, but if you are put it to the test and that always seemed to be the contention with Satan is like, you know, I could be in your place. Let's put this in. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to snuff out Christ and put himself in the place of Jesus. It's incredible. Well, the lesson takes us to Genesis three, where we look about, look, we read about the fall of man. Yes. The temptation of Eve at the tree and how he sought to undermine, and I don't have this in our outline, but there's a the passage in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, that says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Mm. And it really makes me think of Genesis 3 because the, devil's, the devil knew that in order to get Eve to sin, he had to break her trust in God. That's where he starts with the subtle insinuations. Didn't God say you could eat of every mm-hmm, tree? Mm-hmm. Isn't God? It sounds has like he's kind of Has he not said? And yeah. as he was trying to get her to doubt whatsoever is not of faith, once you lose faith, you lose that trust in God, you're going you're you're gonna gonna to act out, act out yeah. on it. And the lesson says on Thursday, second paragraph down, as a result of this blatant transgression... the the taking of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As a result of this blatant transgression and disregard of God's command, the relationship between God and humankind is now broken. Mm. And of course, it's pointing to that act of transgression. But I I noted in uh, our outline, actually, they still had a relationship with God. It was just, it was now a bad one. Yeah. Uh, Because we, you know, obviously, I know the, the point here in the lesson, but we talk a lot today about having a relationship with Jesus, and that's what mm-hmm. matters. That's not true. The devil has a relationship with Jesus. It was the late Pastor Richard O'Phil who said, yeah, that every the devil has a relationship with Jesus. He hates him. Mm-hmm. That's still a yeah, relationship. Right. It's just not a good relationship. They lost a good relationship with God, but they were still in a relationship. So I'm saying that to emphasize we don't just want a, any old relationship with God. Mm-hmm. We want a good relationship. Well, and this also ties into yeah. last quarter's lesson. Remember we talked about in Isaiah 59? What yes. was the issue? Your sins have separated. Your iniquities you and your have... Right. Yep. And there it is again. It, it, this, As a result of this transgression, now we have this brokenness in the relationship. It's interesting, and we didn't comment in Isaiah, but I was reading when I, I remember reading on it, and it says the arm, the the Lord's arm is not shortened that it cannot. And save. I never thought of it before, but they said the, the language in the Hebrew is cut off, like mm. your arm's cut off, and then I can't lend you a helping hand. I have no hand to do anything with. Mm. And so that Lord's using that very like it's. I'm not crippled here. I'm fully capable. I'm yeah. fully capable of helping you, but you've got to be willing to yes. trust me. Powerful thought. Anyway, uh, so Satan tried to mar the creation of God, but I use that word attempted. Attempted because it didn't fully work. No. Genesis 3.15, right? It can look often like it did. Right. But praise the Lord, Genesis 3.15 is in the record. It says, and I, this is the Lord God speaking, will put enmity or hatred, discord, tension, right? Between you, the serpent or Satan and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, the seed singular, which in my Bible mm-hmm. is capital S seed, right? right? He, speaking of the coming Jesus, shall bruise, or some versions say crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The, the imagery conjures up, of course, like there's a serpent on the ground, and this he that's coming is going mm-hmm. to be injured in his heel, but in the process, crush your head. That's that right. That there's going to be a destruction. So even though Satan had gotten both man and woman, the complete image of God to disobey God. That's right. They were not cast aside and God still had a plan. Even though Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't defeated. Even Amen. though we live in a world of sin, it's, we're not, it's not, not done hopeless. yet. That's right. Our head isn't crushed. Amen. 
And so, yeah, that promise, in fact, the lesson makes the point on Thursday, last paragraph, in their utter helplessness, Adam and Eve were to gain hope from this messianic promise. Mm. Hope that would transform their existence because this hope was God-given and God-supported. And along the lines of even when God was going out and seeking them, there's a great statement on Friday. I rarely have something on Friday that I put right right in the notes because it's usually summary. (laughs) There's a great statement from C.H. Spurgeon on even when God went out looking for Adam, he said, where art thou? Uh If we're looking for Adam and Eve. He says, there was a gospel sermon, I think, in those three divine words as they penetrated the dense parts of the thicket and reached the tingling ears of the fugitives. Where art thou? Thy God is not willing to lose thee. He is coming forth to seek thee, just as by and by he means to come forth in the person of his Son, not only to seek, but to save that which is now lost. Beautiful. Powerful. Beautiful. And then there's a great paragraph from uh, the book Confrontation, mm-hmm. which is a compilation of review and herald articles on the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Yes. Fascinating if you've never read that. But why don't you read that paragraph from Confrontation sure. 20. Sure. This is pages 20, yeah, 20 and 21. It says, Satan flattered himself that he had forever broken the link between heaven and earth. But in this, he was greatly mistaken and disappointed. Hallelujah. So see, he thought when that man sinned, he'd broken that game ability over. to communicate yep. that relationship God wanted, and it's yeah, all done. Oh. But, the statement continues, after the transgression of Adam, Satan saw that the ruin was complete. Man was cut off from communion with God. It was Satan designed that the state of man should be the same as that of the fallen angels, in rebellion against God, uncheered by a gleam of hope. But he was disappointed. Hallelujah. The divine Son of God saw that no arm but his own could save fallen man, and he determined to help man. He left the fallen angels to perish in their rebellion, but stretched forth his hand to rescue perishing man. Fantastic. Mm. Obviously, this is going to be a very rich study for the rest of this quarter, but this is a fantastic start. Yes. Uh, Do you want to read the final summary statement? Yeah, so Friday's lesson summary says, God created us in his own image so that a loving fellowship could exist between him and us. Although the entrance of sin shattered the original union, God seeks to restore this relationship through the plan of redemption. Life for us as dependent creatures takes on true meaning and clarity only when we enter into union with our Creator. So true. Friends, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for recording for us these precious promises. Yes, the story is painful and how much better it would have been if we had never disobeyed, but praise the Lord for your mercies and your kindness and your redemption plan that even though we have each sinned and come short of the glory of God, you had from eternity in mind the path of redemption. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving us to our own, but sending your Son. And as we continue to study the covenants that you've established with us, your great plan of redemption, help us not only be hearers, but doers and followers of the Lamb. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.